Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome back, everybody. We've been uh, away for this last week because uh, N7 Legend here has been moving into a new place. And if you are joining us live on the Twitch stream right now or watching the video of the podcast, then you can see the new background. He's got a cool gaming chair. He's got a flag in the background, N7 flag. Welcome back, buddy. How's it going? It's going great. Um, It was, you know, I'm still exhausted from that drive. Uh, That was... 36 hours of driving and yeah that's of driving you know that's not just like i was traveling for 36 that's like 36 hours spent behind the wheel yeah plus other Um, time stopping and doing other things yeah it was long but it was amazing i didn't think that i was going to enjoy driving through wyoming and montana as much as i did uh but man that I mean, when you get into like northern Wyoming, Montana area, and especially Yellowstone, it just kind of looks like you're at the footsteps of heaven itself. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. If no one's been there, definitely drive. Uh, if you can, maybe fly somewhere closer and then rent a car and drive. <laughs> if they, Go, travel, fly in for a vacation, but don't drive all the way there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, especially if you live in Florida, like Tom, don't drive all the way there. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long ride from my home. Uh, but yeah, I'm your host, Tom, our robots, and this is N7 Legend. Uh, used to be Kung Fu Kangaroo, uh, but he's a, yep. no, officially N7 Legend. We will be discussing today the legendary edition of mass effect one two and three which just came out a few days ago and i've had a little bit of time to play how much time have you had to play so far i haven't had that much time to play i actually just today got the the chair and yesterday i got the desk that i'm using uh-huh. and so i've been like non-stop moving around and i think finally this week i'll have a lot of time to play i have i had just enough time to create my character um and in legendary edition and just mm-hmm. enough time to really like enter into Eden prime. Um, but okay. did you get past that first planet yet? Uh, yes. Yes. So, um, yeah. So wh- where do you want to start? Like we, we've got a, f- a bunch of things that we can discuss here. Um, I am, I've created my character, which we're going to save for the middle of the show. Cause this is our show. You show us your shepherd. This week will be my character, which I'm very excited to share. Uh, I think he's probably the most unique character you will ever see. And um, so I created my character, got through the intro stuff, got through Eden Prime, got to the Citadel, uh, done a little bit of the Citadel, and that's that's as far as I got. So haven't really spent more than maybe an hour in the game yet, but it's enough to, um, to bring back a lot of memories and uh, remind me how good the voice acting is. I think that's that's one of the things that we'll definitely be discussing about. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The voice acting is just star studded. I mean, 
it's kind of insane. Like, especially with Keith David, like in the mix as Anderson. And speaking of Anderson, by the way, uh, before we jump into the legendary just edition, I just wanted to say for anyone who's new for Matt to Mass Effect, you need to check out Mass Effect Revelation. Uh, it's an audiobook that I was listening to, or it's a book, but I was listening to it on audiobook on my drive across the country. Um, and it details the history that Captain Anderson has with Saren Arterius. And Saren is the antagonist of Mass Effect 1. Mm -hmm. So if you were ever curious, also, if, if you've played Mass Effect before, but you were curious about, you know, exactly how Saren became a corrupted uh, bad guy, so to speak, then definitely check out Revelation. I don't want to spoil anything, but man, uh, it's amazing. The guy who reads it is also really good. I can't remember his name, but uh, that sets everyone up for the intro to Mass Effect One uh, perfectly. Right, right. So let's let's give the the audience a little bit of our background again, going back into Mass Effect. Um, I I did play through most of Mass Effect One back when it came out on i believe i played it on xbox 360. uh it was the kind of game that i played in bed at night and my wife would fall asleep watching me play right like that was that was my experience with mass effect one i also played it i didn't play it when it first came out i think it was one of those games i picked up on sale and then played through i, I want to say i did at least i don't know 16 or 20 hours in the game i never finished it I never I if I remember correctly, I didn't finish one. And this is thinking back a long time. Um, I enjoyed parts of it, but I felt like it was very slow. And the combat, of course, wasn't perfect, which is the general consensus about that. What about you? What was your Mass Effect one experience? I'd agree with that. The combat was really wonky, and that's something we'll get into in a little bit. But I did start playing Mass Effect 1 when it released, shortly thereafter it released, I think, in 2007. And even, you know, though I was only about, uh, let's see, I, I would have been uh, 13. So yeah, <laughs> even yeah. though I was in a much different time in my life, I actually also spent most of my time playing the game at night, you know, after I was done hanging out with my friends and things. Yeah. And I'd spent like all night playing the game. Yeah, uh, it was. And there wasn't much hype back then. And it, it kind of felt like you had found a gym that no one knew about, you know? It, there's something about that game and playing it at, at night. Maybe it's the space thing, you know, like space is always dark. It was the kind of game where, like, I remember sitting in bed, you know, playing it with a controller on the TV in our bedroom, which wasn't as nice as our, you know, living room TV with like the crappy sound that just comes out of the TV instead of like nice speakers or, you know, like my headphones or anything like that. It was just like crappy sound, low quality TV. But even in that experience, the like the glow of the television and the colors and uh, the UI design, the clean lines, the simplicity of that um and the sound even though again it was it was a low quality tv sounds that were coming out something about the kind of spacey music and and even the slow pace of it has an appeal right kind of like if you think about like classic star trek or star trek the next generation it's not a fast-paced show you know it's a thoughtful show and there was something about the pace of mass effect one that was very thoughtful if I, I think I probably want, I would describe it as that no, two and three are different, but one was very thoughtful 
You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I agree. And I think part of the reason that it might be so enjoyable playing it at night is you got to listen to the soundtrack. If you haven't uh, yet listened to the Mass Effect 1 soundtrack, uh, whether through Legendary Edition or the original, you have to listen to it, especially the Galaxy Map theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Galaxy Map theme was really great. But, you know, when I first booted up Legendary Edition, and I'm playing on Xbox, by the way. Uh, so when I first booted it up and I, I clicked Mass Effect 1, the reworked menu just ignited all of this nostalgia inside me because it was like, you know, they didn't just remaster the game, they remastered the menu too. Right. And so you look at the menu and you're like, oh, here we go. You know, this it's time again. Um, but the irony is, you know, now as opposed to when I was 13, I have much less time to play. Um, but, you know, I wanted to mention um, kind of leading into our next point uh, about the reactions we've had. The single most frustrating scene in cutscenes uh, of Mass Effect 1 mm-hmm. when it comes to graphics qualities. And I know this, it's fresh in my mind because I just started a new playthrough uh, a month or two ago, uh, is when you first start, you've just created your character and you've just heard Anderson and Udina talking about your character. And then you watch Shepard walk toward the cockpit of the ship. And then the camera pans around to show your custom character's face, which at that time, by the way, was like awesome to see a custom made character in a cutscene. Uh, so right. it pans around and yeah. you're like, there's so much anticipation. You're like, Oh man, I hope they look badass or, you know, however you wanted them to look. And then it just falls flat on its face, I think, no matter what, because I've made like 10 or 11 characters at least by now, mm-hmm. and they always look dumb. And it's because <laughs> of the lighting and the angle at this specific scene. And we have the, the video here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's this is the video from the Legendary Edition, and they fixed it. And thank God they fixed it because it looks it looks great now. The lighting is fixed. The shadows fixed. Your character doesn't look dumb. Even the like the default characters look dumb in the in the last one but yeah but i'll shut up now uh so we can um, see the legendary edition how they fix this scene. pulling it up right now and putting it up on the screen here we go um and for those of you listening you can at least hear the audio of it <laughs> shepherd's walking down the hallway nudging past somebody camera pans around and then you see their face And then, of course, you see the mass relay after that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just as you're entering the mass relay. And so Shepard's looking really inquisitively, you know, out the the cockpit window, which, by the way, they they explain the mass effect is unnecessary. Um, Right. (laughs) Right. It's totally not necessary at all. (laughs) It's it's, it's so dramatic. Um, But they Shepard is supposed to be looking like really, you know, uh, focused. But it comes across in the first game like Shepard looks constipated. So, <laughs> and, and thank God they fixed that. I was just really tickled pink by the fact that they, they, like, I didn't really hear many people complain about that scene, but it was always a thorn in my side. Just because of how much anticipation you have making your character, wanting to look cool. And that's the first time you see your character's face. I thought it was just me because I, I designed a character who, and this is another thing I noticed in the character design thing. Uh, it's very easy to design your character only looking at the character from the front, right? Like, was it, if you click to turn their heads, they don't turn. I think they animate on their own and they kind of move a little bit while you're in the character creator, but there's no like drag and move the head to see it from different angles. 
and there still isn't in Legendary Edition. Is that correct? Am I remembering that correct? On Xbox, you can move the right stick and get them to look around a little bit, but the motion of movement is very limited. Uh, oh, so, it's so about on PC, maybe, like, maybe on PC you can't do it with the mouse and keyboard. Maybe that's it. Maybe so. I don't know. Um, I don't remember completely, but I, I do remember that like I when I maybe I didn't even think to turn the character's head the first time I made my first character in Mass Effect. And so I made a, a female shepherd who looks pretty, pretty good from the front. But when you turned her head, it was like she was smushed. It was just like like a smushed pug face. And so in that scene, I was like, oh, cool. I get to see my character. And then up the first time you could see the character from the side. And you're just like, I was just like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> and then you're like, well, I guess I got to restart. Uh, no, I was just like, oh, I guess I'm stuck with this face. Uh, maybe I'll get used to it. Never did. Never did get used to it. Nope. <laughs> and speaking of getting used to the faces, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but there's a unified character creator now. So you don't have to wonder what the import from Mass Effect 1 face to Mass Effect 2 face is going to change. So my character is going to be change. as beautiful as it is now for all three games. Exactly. I'm very it's excited be about this. And so I know something that's maybe some of our audience doesn't um, about his character, but drop dead gorgeous uh yes. can't wait to show it at yes. the mid break a unique <laughs> unique experience um in the galaxy and speaking of visual beauty what do you think about the the textures and the the frame rates you know versus yeah. the first one yeah well the first one i played on xbox 360 and of course the frame rate was what 30 frames stuck i think at the time if that if if that you know definitely times it went lower than that there were definitely scenes i remember in that in eden prime i think there's the scene where you see saren for the first time if i remember correctly and this is a weird old memory to remember but when it pans around him and you see him talking with the geth and it went like slideshow around do you remember this was this a thing oh, i do yeah Rig yeah. the explosives to detonate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it like slideshows yeah, around it. Yeah, yeah, and on my, you know, I've got a pretty beefy uh, PC rig and played it on here. You know, in on my ultra wide screen at thirty four forty by whatever the other no, it's fourteen forty. Um, with like, there's not that many on top of this PC settings. This is one of my complaints. We PC gamers, we like our sliders and our settings. We like to be able to be like, oh, I want this type of anti-aliasing and I want this many MIP maps or, you know, who knows, whatever. Right. I, I want ultra textures instead of high. You know, like we want to change all that stuff. Uh, no, nope, not a thing. You just it's just like, here's a few little settings. That's it. So good luck. Um, but it looks good. Like overall looks good. I clearly was at you know, solid frame rates the whole time. My system didn't have a problem. I have a 2080 Ti graphics card. That's probably why it's it's substantial for even just an up you know, older game. But no issues at all when it came to frame rate um, smoothness, moving the character around. It's a little wonky in that uh, the speed of the camera and the speed of aiming and things are individually adjusted. And I felt like although my mouse at the setting, so I have a mouse that I, you can change the DPI on it. And at this DPI setting works pretty well for most shooters. I felt like it was still too fast. So I had to lower that stuff in order for it to feel right. Um, but overall I thought it looked good. Like there, I really didn't have any complaints. Like the, the characters look good. Some of the hair is still a little bit weird. You can still tell it's, it's, you know, 
it's an improved version of an older game. It doesn't look like a new gen game, but uh, it it isn't offensive. <laughs> if I could use that language, you know, sometimes you, you load up an old game and you're in your mind's eye. The game is better looking than it actually is because you're, you're kind of remembering it through the rosy lens of your memory. Because he yeah, likes you're talking to someone who loves Morrowind. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you think back to it, and you're like, oh yeah, the water in Morrowind was amazing because it was at the time, right? But then you know the character who you're talking to has like four polygons on its face, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, that everybody <laughs> I talk to has a triangle face. Okay, that's right. Um, but yeah, not bad. What did, what did you think on your experience? I thought, yeah, along the same lines as you, you know, it's not offensive. Um, the textures, the the new meshes and textures are amazing. I think uh, I have a, a particular appreciation maybe because I played the first one in 2007. Um, in some ways, I think it's better than Andromeda. You know, the facial animations particularly. Uh, here's, because here's the thing them, like, about Andromeda. God. Yeah, so I, I picked up Andromeda. It was like super, super discount on Steam. And I had some money for my birthday uh, from a Steam gift card. So I picked it up. And I was like, yeah, I, I should get it. I'll, I'll play through it eventually once I get through this this trilogy. The And I mentioned this on a previous episode. The characters in the first trilogy, or in the original trilogy, look... Uh, their bodies are proportioned in ways that we expect them to be. They're not necessarily exactly human proportions, but they're proportioned in ways that we expect video game characters to be proportioned, which are, you know, like heads are slightly smaller than reality, which makes their bodies seem bigger. They seem, you know, like a little bit bigger, buffer, cooler than real humans, right? Like that's what we want our video game characters. We want them all to look like superheroes, not actual people, right? That's what they look like. The characters in Andromeda look like everybody is a child. Their heads, their heads are so big. Their heads are big and their bodies are little and everybody looks like they're no older than 14 years old. It's true. And I have, I have a really hard time. So I I designed my character uh, and I named him middle school bully. (laughs) I'll show him at some point. Oh, that's why. That's That's why he's the middle school bully. Because even with a mustache, he doesn't look like he's older than 14 years old. He looks like a 14 year old who just has never shaved. (laughs) It's what he looks like. That's kind of come to think of it. And no offense to uh, at all to any of the audience who sent us their riders. Yeah, but that's true. It's, it's true. <laughs> like the characters true. don't look like, and maybe it's because their proportions are actually more similar to real humans, but we don't want that in our fantasy. We want idealized people. It, and I think the graphical models, especially for like the face and hair in Andromeda, it almost felt like they tried to go in like a final fantasy direction but not yeah. like a non-committal Final Fantasy direction. Yeah, a little more uh, stylized. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, uh, of style, part of the, uh, if, if you're really into like, you know, visual effects, then you might've noticed that in Mass Effect 1, shadows were used really strategically uh, throughout all of the cutscenes and whatnot. However, sometimes it, I don't think it came across the way that the developers really wanted it to. And namely there's a scene where you are being briefed, you being Shepard, Shepard is being briefed by Captain Anderson prior to jumping into Eden prime. 
prior to the first planet where you know you encounter combat and a, a somewhat free roam and the mm-hmm. shadows in the original one are just awful like it's so dark you can barely see it even if you brighten your screen all the way and then it gets distorted and 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 grainy um and that's a the film grain is a different feature where i'm not sure why they insisted on adding that but you know to each their own but the shadows have been fixed which i'm i'm very happy about um and then you know like you said in in other ways you can kind of tell that it's it's an old game it's still the same game engine it's the skeleton of itself just with makeup on you know yeah uh, with a better skin yeah, um, because yeah. there were some fleeting moments where like the environment, the physics, the, the vehicles like the Normandy in cutscenes, just the movement. It, it's hard to, to really pinpoint because I'm not uh, a computer programmer or an engineer or a game tester, but you can just kind of tell. And I know that doesn't really help our listeners because <laughs> you're just listening. Um, but when you look at the movement and it has to do with, I think, the physics and how smooth something moves in mass effect one and then you look at it andromeda i thought andromeda actually did that very well the physics right. and everything just very well like right like um what's the 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 vehicle's name in, in andromeda it kicks up dust every mm-hmm. time you go into turbo mode and it just looks great um but i don't think that there's really so much of that in legendary edition yeah yeah and, and those are things that we got better or we like the game development got better at um implementing and uh, especially animations were much more motion captured or uh, yeah, every industry g- gets better with time. You know, the, the people who work on these are more experienced and they have better tools and all of that. So but overall, I I didn't have an issue with it. Like it's it's totally playable. Um, the graphics are are solid. The textures look good uh, when I get a new outfit, like when I get a new armor, I'm interested in putting it on because I want it to look cool. And some of them do, you know, not, I mean, some, obviously this is a subjective thing, but some of the gear you put on looks better than others. Um, I'm going to discuss how my character looks in his gear, uh, when we get to the middle of the show. Um, because there's some specific things about that. Uh, so what about gameplay? How did you feel about the gameplay? So for the gameplay, I thought, and you know, of course it's going to be like this because mass effect one was the oldest. And so Mass Effect 1 is going to have the most improvements. Mass Effect 2 slightly more, Mass Effect 3 the fewest. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the combat in Mass Effect 1, as we mentioned earlier, how it was kind of clunky, that is like the biggest improvement to me. Um, That is going to be so crucial in bringing, if if you're Bioware, it's going to be so crucial in bringing new players into the Mass Effect universe fan base, which I think if you're looking at it from a business point of view, is partly why they did this. This is part of the reason why they remastered the original trilogy, because as they mentioned around Christmas time, there is going to be a Mass Effect 4. And it's been a long time since Mass Effect 3. It's not really in the vernacular anymore, especially with the failure of Andromeda. Uh, And so if you're going to release now now your fourth game in a AAA title series, you need to rekindle that kind of interest, uh, especially when the series is now... Uh, 14 years old. So the combat in, in Mass Effect 1 is playable. It's it's very playable. It's it's going to be kind to new people uh, who haven't known Mass Effect before. If you've never played Mass Effect uh, 1 before and you try to start with Mass Effect 1 now, you're likely going to toss your controller to the side and just or your PC, your, your mouse and keyboard and just say, forget it. You know, it's it's too difficult because it's there's lots of pausing. 
the uh, the action is not fast paced if you're not the soldier class because you're constantly changing you're pausing the game to use these abilities uh, and it was really difficult aside from the the ui difficulties the game itself was very difficult um insanity mode was damn near impossible even if you were good at it the the pausing thing is a is a callback to bioware's previous games uh games like knights of the old republic where uh, mass effect one was a transition from the top-down isometric games that they were de developing like knights of the old republic where you would have a squad and you would decide what they would do you'd unpause it you'd let them do their thing you'd pause it again you'd make new decisions it was a stepping stone between that old turn-based system and live action and so that's that's why mass effect is in the place it's at where it's a little bit odd like that and the shooting wasn't always that great either um funny funny enough i picked the soldier class for my character because i because i hadn't played as a soldier and i wanted to do the shooting and stuff but i also wanted to leave the biotics and the tech stuff to my other characters so when i needed something specific from them i could pause it and command it but if it came down to just shooting stuff I was able to handle that on my own uh, and that was my my reasoning and that's i'm glad that you brought up the kind of relying on your squad because that is a big difference in legendary edition versus mass effect one so the original mass effect one uh the squad in mass effect one you couldn't command them individually you could just tell both of them to hold to stay put or both of them to go to a certain location um, that's changed now. You can command them individually now. Um, and they also use their abilities better now. There was, so basically in the original Mass Effect 1, there was a gameplay setting where you could uh, merely say on or off if the squad was going to use their abilities without your direct command. Um, now there is a medium setting where the squad can use their, their abilities defensively. So mm -hmm. if they have abilities like barrier or immunity, they can use those to keep them themselves from dying. And sorry, if you hear that, there's a car alarm okay. going off. It's That's just right. part of the part of the difficulties of living in a city. Podcast life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but, you know, they, they can uh, activate immunity barrier, um, uh, other tech shields and that, that kind of thing to keep themselves from dying without you expressly telling them to do that. Um, so it reserves the offensive abilities for your own uh, liking, which I thought was pretty awesome. The fact that they've upgraded on that. And then there's the whole cover system. Um, before there was a, it was like a half-assed cover system in Mass Effect 1, <laughs> in the original one. And I'm, I'm just going to speak pretty bluntly here, uh, as I normally do. But the Mass Effect 1 cover system, you never knew when it was going to work. And you never really knew if you could rely on it, but you had to rely on it in the higher difficulties. I'm having some troubles with it right now in the original Mass Effect 1 Insanity playthrough, but <laughs> they fixed that seemingly. So now you can just sprint up to the cover and, it, and it's contextual. It puts you in. And by the way, yeah. now you can sprint outside of combat, which is so enormous. That's a big change from Mass Effect 1. Yep. Now... I did notice that and the cover does seem nicer to the point where I didn't I didn't always remember that I could use cover because I probably didn't use it that most that much the first time I played through it unless I really needed it. Um, but yeah, now you can just run up to something. The other thing that I noticed, though, is that the key binding is a little bit weird. So in order to <laughs> so I keep hitting 
shift to run, but shift doesn't run. Spacebar runs, but spacebar also interacts with things, which is weird. Like uh, modern games will use shift to run. They'll use E or F to interact. They'll use space to jump. Like, but the key bindings are not normal. And then I had to hunt for Like I kept on pulling my weapon out ex accidentally in like situations where I didn't need my weapon out. And I was just like, oh crap, this is awkward. I have my weapon out and I'm just talking to two officers. You know, like this is weird. So then I had to find the button to put my weapon away. That's an interesting PC unique dilemma where I, this is like one of those scenarios that I'm glad that you're playing on PC and I'm playing on Xbox because like I wouldn't know that yeah that that's happening to you and you wouldn't know that something's happening with me but but that's that's really interesting like i haven't run into any weird controls uh yet but i do know that melee in mass effect one and, and xbox i don't know if it's the same on pc but uh -huh. um, it's no longer contextual there's a button for it yes yeah, yeah so yeah. yep it used to be in mass effect one and the original one that uh, it would only engage melee if an enemy was close enough to you. So you might be, you know, railing like an enemy like five miles away with a sniper. And then if someone runs up to you, it's going to exit the zoom and all of a sudden you're like throwing bows. Or if you've got the assault rifle out and you're trying to just mow them down, well, that's not going to work if an enemy like a husk runs up to you. All of a sudden now you're not firing anymore. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, ah, oh, what's going on? There's no more of that, uh, which is nice. Yeah, it's it, it defaulted, and this was a nice thing. It defaulted to the thumb button on my mouse, which I That's will usually I will usually uh, if it's not already on the thumb button for melee, I'll either add melee or like grenade toss to that button, so that it's like right there with my hands or or chat. You know, if I have to chat, but I'm not playing this. It's not multiplayer, so. Um, so that actually was intuitive. Uh, Captain Logan in chat says sprint should be left stick in. Yeah, which I guess it's not. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agreed. And and I think it was a in the original Mass Effect one anyway. So maybe they were doing that for continuity. Not quite sure why. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, I agree. Um, maybe there will be different uh, controller settings. I did see on one of the videos that somebody did a comparison, the uh, zooming in for the sniper rifle. In the original compared mm. to in in legendary edition and how a legendary edition is way more usable now it doesn't oh, over zoom yeah. it actually you know it zooms but not too far and you can actually like i found as a soldier class even and i don't even have sniper unlocked yet but i would just use my sniper running through the first map location i was just just taking everybody out from a distance most of the time yeah and there used to be great. a really really bad idle sway for snipers uh, and it made it completely unusable. Well, first of all, snipers used to be completely unusable unless you had like the skill tree or you were an infiltrator. Um, now any class can use any weapon in Mass Effect 1. Mm -hmm. That's not the way that it was. It used to be that, you know, if you wanted to use certain weapons, you had to be that class uh, or you had to be New Game Plus and then add the skill. Right, um, right. But that's not the way it is anymore. And I'm excited to see what that's going to do for combat along with uh, there's a lot of other combat official combat changes that bioware released um and we'll talk about those in the second half of the show when we kind of go over what bioware said it has improved um officially anyway uh but there's a lot of them and that's one of them that you can really uh use any weapon with any class and part of that is that you don't have to be trained in the weapon now um yeah where 
So I think that's awesome. And it's more aligned with Mass Effect 3's combat, the way that that was at release. Because if you remember, Mass Effect 3's combat was like all weight based. So you could like have every weapon, but it would be heavier and that would slow down your biotic and tech cooldown abilities. Mm. Yeah. So I, I noticed I could just like use that from the beginning and it was so effective. And I just I just started at normal difficulty because I, I didn't want it to be a challenge. I'm playing it mostly for the story and for the fun of playing this character the way I'm going to be playing them. Um, but I, I just started normal difficulty and I noticed that I snipe things and it was sniper. Even though I during that first planet, I leveled up a few times and I put a bunch of extra stats into uh, my assault rifle skill. But even then, it was actually more effective for me to snipe things than it was to run in with my assault rifle most of the time, um, which I didn't expect. I was like, well, that's OK. All right. And yeah, it, it just worked out. So no complaints there, but a little bit odd that that was as easy as it seems. I think that's part of their unification of the three games effort. Um, because I remember in Mass Effect 2, snipers became pretty overpowered. Um, mainly because there wasn't that insane idle sway. Uh, but also that in Mass Effect 2, if you weren't using the sniper, um, things were a lot harder for you. <laughs> like yeah. they, were, they were really hard. Um, and so they've, they've made some changes to Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 as well. Uh, but the most of the most of the changes are on Mass Effect One's end, so we're going to be focusing on those a little bit. Um, but I, I kind of come to the same question that I was talking about uh, with in with graphics, which is, you know, was it better than Andromeda? No, uh, the graphics weren't better than Andromeda because you can still tell it's 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 you know it's a it's an old game it's an old old shell using new textures but in some ways they were they were better with you know like just facial animations and whatnot so is the combat better than andromeda i don't think so because in my opinion andromeda's combat was still more natural faster paced and, and like like superhero-ish it was just awesome right uh, all the right. things that you could do in andromeda um, yeah well what, i'll be excited to dive into my superhero 14 year old um when I get to that part of that story, which I, I didn't get too far into Andromeda. I just kind of played through parts of the, of the beginning. So I don't I, I, I can share more about that once I get to it. Teen Titans, Teen, Teen Titans. Titans guest star, <laughs> middle school bully. Middle school bully. Uh, yeah. Middle school bully. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, the writing and the storyline, the voice acting, it's all the same, you know. So mm -hmm. those things haven't changed, uh, which is good because I love those things. Um, but you know, that all still makes it better than Mass Effect in Trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I just realized that uh, Seth Green was Joker. I don't think I think I recognized his voice the first time, but didn't realize who it was. And then I finally realized who it was. And I was like, ah, that's why he sounds so familiar. OK. All right. Um, but anyway, well, tell you what, why don't we move on to the middle of the show? We're going to talk about uh, some of the reviews you guys left. We're going to read through some of the reviews and we're going to talk about uh, my my shepherd who I think you guys will be very interested to see. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. So welcome to the middle of the show. We've got some reviews to go over. Thank you, everybody who took the time to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, even if you don't listen there, as long as you have an Apple account, you can do that. And right now we we don't have a Patreon set up. We, we should probably do that soon. We've had people ask. Um, 
But the best ways that you can help us out with the show is to tell your friends about it. If you're playing through Legendary Edition and you're digging back into the lore and you have friends who are playing as well, let them know about the show. That would help out a ton. We were I've been going through all the different charts and things. We currently are at was it 50th? Was that it? 50th? It was 50. Yeah, we're in the top 50. We're in the top 50 of the US video game podcasts. This show is about two months old and we are in the top 50 thanks to you guys listening to the show that is phenomenal i I shared a thing on uh my twitter on the robots radio twitter which is at robots underscore radio if you want to follow it um that showed uh three of three of their show three of our shows the fallout lorecast is at like 41 currently mass effect lorecast is at 50 and the elder scrolls Lorecast is at 55. So all three of those shows are like nested in real close to each other, which is amazing. And, it, and the, the rankings change every day based on who downloads what and, and those kinds of things. But that that is amazing, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the show and sharing it with your friends. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't we wouldn't be having that kind of success. So thank you so very much. So we did we did get some reviews. I want to highlight. In fact, we have a number of them. We've got five uh, and I'm going to we've got Four of them, which are five stars and one which is one star. And I'm going to read it just for fun. Um, So we've got uh, Desi Werewolf in the US who says, I keep coming back for more five stars. This podcast is absolutely phenomenal and a must watch slash listen for Mass Effect Junkies and Seven Legends. Deep dive into Mass Effect topics makes you feel like you were there and part of the history of the Mass Effect universe. Robots take on the historical, religious and philosophical perspectives of the topic leaves more questions than answers in a good way and really makes you second guess your choices you made while playing the trilogy. Overall, this podcast is a 1010 and will have you craving uh, for the next episode. So thank you very much, Desi Werewolf. That's very nice uh, and specific compliments for each of us. Really do appreciate that. Guy 13 from the US writes, great show, five, st- five stars. Uh, great show, fun to listen to. I'm a huge Mass Effect fan and have been looking for a podcast to listen to for a while. Found this one before Legendary Edition drops. Wish I would have thought of doing a podcast like this. <laughs> so uh, Guy, thank you. Um, yeah, if you have any other ideas for podcasts and you want help launching your show, that's what the Robots Ready Rocket Club is for. So, you know, send me a note. Maybe I can help you out. Uh, the next one we got in from Wings80. And uh, sometimes sometimes you get critiques and you just got to you got to take them for what they're worth. So uh, if if any of you disagree with this in some way and you want to help balance this out, then leave us a five star review. Uh, they wrote the host should shut up. Let the N7 guy speak. <laughs> I'm flattered in the weirdest way. <laughs> I love I love these criticisms because it's like, well, yeah, sometimes I jump in and share stuff. But is it is this a critique of me? Like when you're doing a podcast at a distance, there's a delay. So sometimes you, you want to say something and you think the other person is done talking and then you speak up and then you end up talking on top of the other person. It happens. We've all we've all been on these web call meetings, right? Like we're across the country from each other. There's going to be a little bit of a delay. So maybe that's the complaint because I, I get excited and want to say something. So I jump on top of you or he doesn't like the historical, religious and philosophical perspectives that I'm sharing that the person too reviews ago mentioned um right right he either doesn't like the fact that uh we're virtually broadcasting a zoom call right or (laughs) or that uh he just doesn't like that you know like the uh i don't know the the social sciences uh perspective of it either way i mean we're still happy to have him as a fan (laughs) thank you for watching i I am 
listening. Yeah, thank you for watching Wings 80. Uh, we still love you. I don't know if you're still listening, but uh, thanks. Um, then we have uh, Laps of Synapse in the US who writes, feels like home, five stars. No game has had uh, has has had made more of an impact than Mass Effect. And listening to this podcast makes me feel like I'm listening to the friends that I haven't met. I'm Garrus Vicarian, and this is my favorite pod on the Citadel. Very nice. I love, I love that. That's one of the reasons I listen to shows and podcasts is because it feels like hanging out with your friends, even if you don't know who you are. So laps of signups, if you, everybody uses different names on different platforms. If you haven't signed on to our Discord yet and chatted with us about your experience with the games, please do so. We'd love to learn more about you. Um, anybody who's listening, we're here. Like, don't just consider us friends at a distance. Like we're here to chat with you guys. We'd love to get to know you and have you be part of our community. Um, so thank you again for that, for that review. That's awesome. Then our last one is Johnny G 22 from the U S who writes fantastic mass effect lore cast five stars. Absolutely love this universe. And what better ways to listen about it than having these two great hosts. I've been listening to this podcast during my car rides to and from work. And I have to keep on listening. Once I get home, great lore is given in each episode and both hosts go into such great detail. It truly is a fantastic podcast the hosts also provide different perspectives on events that happen in mass effect that i would never thought of highly recommend to any fans of mass effect so another another review that seems to like our different perspectives and discussion about those things that's part of what makes it a fun show right so those are our reviews thank you to everybody who who takes the time to even just leave a, a review but if you do decide to leave some words we will read it out on a future episode and if for some reason we miss yours or don't don't see it please let us know um sometimes the platforms we use don't always show everything so um yeah please let us know about that stuff all right let's move on to our show us your shepherd so are you guys ready for this i don't think you're ready i don't think you're ready for this jelly my body too bootylicious. They're not ready. They're not ready for this jelly. All right. So this is, uh, I don't remember his official name. He was inspired by a combination of Danny DeVito and Waluigi. And so I think I just called him Wa DeVito or something like this. Wa DeVito Shepherd. And there he is. This is his beautiful mug. And for anybody listening at home, um, uh, and seven, how would you describe him? What can, can you do a description of um, paint a picture with your words? Uh, okay. Um, this is going to be vague, but specific. Uh, <laughs> so have, have, you, have you guys ever imagined who is underneath the Chuck E. Cheese costume? <laughs> because it looks like it might be this guy. No, but <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> he, he um no, but but really he he's he's got um he's balding with what looks like hot pink hair, and he's got a handlebar mustache that flows down his face uh, like a waterfall flows down rocks, mainly because of his protruding excessively <laughs> wide cheekbones, and um, which are accompanied by his bright green eyes. Uh, and very thick brows. Uh, mm -hmm. There is no doubt in my mind that this this guy is the specimen of manliness. Yes. Um, yeah, he, that's what I was thinking when, I mean, Danny DeVito and Waluigi being my inspirations. He is absolutely uh, the pinnacle of humanity. And I, I can't wait to see what he does with the Reapers. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, they might just run. 
<laughs> so okay so a few other details here his nose is very short but also very wide at the same time uh his mouth is very high on his face where with a very low but skinny chin in what i can only describe as a pucker frown <laughs> and his skin is almost transparently white to being the pink and yet blue at the same time somehow um he also, everybody's heard the, the phrase resting bitch face. I uh, would have to describe this as a resting uh, stank face. Yeah. He looks like something a child might do to a doll. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is uh, Juan DeVito, uh, <laughs> Shepard. And um, on top of this, when you take a character like this, and it was very hard to mangle, I guess I could use that word, his face into such a form because the, the character creation in Mass Effect isn't as extreme as some other games, say, you know, like Elder Scrolls Oblivion or something like that, which you can totally mangle somebody's face. But I was able to get it into this shape after taking enough, you know, working on it for a while. And um, the character just animates very strangely now that his face is mangled in this way so when he talks he's look, he looks like he's upset uh and so i decided i'm gonna go full renegade and he is just a total jerk to everyone even though his face makes him look like he sh probably shouldn't be <laughs> you know like he should probably try I to can't talk wait to see the scars the oh, scars man. that you develop in mass effect 2 oh from yeah being I can't wait to see that. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a scar on his face, uh, on his forehead. He has the official scar, but he also has a skin texture, which makes him look kind of aged. Um, and his ears are very, like, wide, very kind of elephant out to the sides. Um, his head in general is almost as wide as it is tall. <laughs> so he's got that going for him as well. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That's that's my Spectre. Um, he's a soldier. He's He's a hard ass. He gives everyone a hard time. And yet somehow they still believe that he's going to save the universe. So good luck, buddy. <laughs> he's the chosen one. He's the chosen one unexpectedly, but there you go. All right. Well, <laughs> that's my shepherd. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll have to talk about yours in the future or captain Logan, who does the cyberpunk lore cast shared with me, his shepherd, who he designed to look like me, he says. So maybe we'll have to oh, yes. focus on him in the future. We'll have to take a is look at that. Tom Shepard. Uh, I think it is. I think it's actually Tom uh, Shepard. It's amazing. Um, I don't think it looks much like me, but he, that's what he said was he was going for. So we'll talk about that in the future. Why don't we move on to the rest of the show? Since the dawn of time, there have been storytellers who teach through their stories. These myths give rise to fundamental truths, and these truths shape our collective experience. Yet these myths are not something of the past, and today they engage us more fully in the story itself. Video games allow us to live the lives of our favorite myths. My name is Blue Crew 86, host of Focus Fire Chat, and I want to invite you to explore our modern-day myths with us. Join with us as we explore the stories, the mythologies of the Destiny franchise, as well as other games. Let's explore together. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love 
Marvel comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike, where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. So, we got some other stuff to talk about. Um, You had some things you teased in the first half of the show. And how do you want to start this off? What do you want to cover? Right. So, now let's go, you know, we kind of went into our reactions, but let's go into the hard facts, right? So, um... What has Bioware said that they improved? This is what we're going to focus on in this half of the show. And let's start with the obvious one, graphics. Graphics are now 4K Ultra HD. Um, You know, time has partly been to thank for that. You know, it's allowed for technology to advance and and also for more people to acquire uh, devices that output in 4K as well as the devices that display 4K. Um, and EA has taken advantage of that. Um, however, this was news to me. I was checking up on EA's official website, and according to EA, at least, uh, who is the parent company of Bioware, the original trilogy was released entirely on a console cycle that allowed up to 1080p resolutions, but it was often actually running at 720p or lower. Yeah, so that no, was I totally to believe it. I totally believe that because the the XP the Xbox 360 generation, many of the games like it, it outputs your TV at 1080, but the actual frame rate it was rendering at was way lower than that. Sometimes even like 600p. And it considered to uh, compared to 4K, like I don't if you guys don't understand the difference here. 4K is is actually four times the resolution of 1080. So how many times the resolution of 720 is that? A lot. And it's it's a massive game too, Mass Effect 1. And Mass Effect 1 through 3 are huge in, in graphically speaking in terms of the number of assets that exist in the game. And uh, so, you know, I can only imagine how huge the effort was 
to review and rework every texture because according to Bioware, that's an EA and Bioware, that's what the studios did. They reviewed every single graphical asset and texture. And that may sound like a lot. It might not sound like a lot if you factor in the fact that, you know, a lot of these assets were reused. However, that's still, according to EA and Bioware, that's still over 30,000 unique textures. That's a lot. That's a lot. I just looked it up too. The difference from 720 to 4K is nine times. That's nine times the resolution. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, The total number of pixels in 4K is 8,294,400 pixels. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's how far we've gone. Yeah. 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 Almost 10 times better looking. Oh, totally. Um, and I can't wait to, you know, be playing. And this is going to be like 200 hours later. Uh, but I can't wait to get to Mass Effect 3 and see how much it's improved. Um, I imagine, you know, the, the, diff- the difference isn't that drastic. But, you know, I can't wait to see that. Um, the next thing that Bioware said that they improved was the unified character creator. I kind of mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the past, in Mass Effect 1, you created the character. And then when you were done with that, assuming that Mass Effect 2 was already out, you imported the save from Mass Effect 1, from the end of Mass Effect 1 when you completed the game, and you you imported that save into Mass Effect 2 as a new game. Your character's face didn't always translate perfectly because there wasn't parallel options, if that makes sense. It wasn't the exact same character creator. There were different sliders. There were different options. And sometimes when you imported the character, it didn't really look like your character at all. Sometimes yeah. it even changed the hair color, which happened to me. Like, <laughs> I remember my first character, I tried to make it with my own hair color, which is mo- kind of like an ash blonde. And there is no option for that in Mass Effect 2. There was in Mass Effect 1. Not really in Mass <laughs> so Effect your character just got a hairdo change in between. Right. So there you go. Shepard went through a midlife crisis. Um, so uh, I get post-life crisis because he had died. Um, but yeah. maybe that's how they're going to play it off in the writing because of the Lazarus project. But anyway, there's no more of that. There's no more goofy imports. Uh, there's a unified character creator. So your character is going to look identical in the second game and the third game to how it looked in the first game. That's a huge bonus. Uh, that's a big change. There's also some inventory balancing. So now the inventory in Mass Effect 1, and PC players are going to rejoice at this, by the way, uh, there is the inventory in Mass Effect 1 isn't as clunky to, to operate, and you can now mark items as junk. I which totally there's noticed a lot this. of copies. Oh, there's God. a lot of copies uh, of items, like, like ammo upgrades and, and, web, and, and weapon upgrades and armor upgrades. And if you have played the game for more than 10 hours you'll notice that you just get so much stuff that you're like ah, i should just convert it to omnigel which can be used for a lot of things hence the name uh but the ability to market all as junk and then all convert it all at once as one clump is pretty awesome yep no i totally noticed that and i was like oh good nice <laughs> it'll speed up uh the inventory and if it, for mass effect one's original players you probably remember how fast your inventory fills up and then that would require a trip back to like the Citadel to offload and sell a bunch of stuff. Um, you just get so wealthy from that <laughs> game. You, you do from selling copies of armor and weapon upgrades. But there's another thing uh, that they that they uh, up and improved. And this is kind of a, a catch all. So they said that they've balanced combat better and they've improved aiming and weapons handling. Mm hmm. 
like I mentioned earlier, there's no context. There was no contextual melee in Mass Effect One. Now it's its own button. All classes can use the weapons like a soldier can, which is a huge bonus to character variations in Mass Effect One. And the cooldowns for everything have been reduced. And I think that all works to speed up the pace of gameplay, which, as we mentioned, in Mass Effect One was kind of the one thing that hampered it. It could get a little slow. Uh, the improvements are evident in Mass Effect One. Like I mentioned, I haven't played. I got. I haven't gotten into Mass Effect Legendary Edition to get into the second or third game yet because you know just haven't had the time. But what we do know is that the ammo system in Mass Effect Two, which by the way, Mass Effect One, it works on an overheat system. Your weapons can overheat. Mass Effect Two, they introduce an ammo system with thermal clips, but that ammo system has been completely reworked so that the ammo drops are not insanely rare anymore. They used to be pretty rare, so then that would make that would send you scavenging for ammo types of weapons that you might not want to use, but you have to use. Uh, and it also has the effect that it makes sniper classes more viable now. Like if you mm. want your sniper to be your primary weapon in Mass Effect Two, there's going to be more ammo for you, and you're you're probably going to be happy about that. Nice. The mortal, or I'm sorry, uh, the morality in Mass Effect Two. It's not as difficult anymore to gain points. Uh, so the things that grant you morality points, i.e. Renegade, Paragon, they grant you more of those points now. And certain decisions are hidden behind restrictions of you must be X level of Paragon or you must be Y level of Renegade to make those decisions. Well, those decisions are now going to be easier to make because you're going to have more of those points. And some of those decisions are so critical to the ending, uh, to how your game ends, to how Mass Effect 3 ends. Um, so I think certain players will be very happy about that. I think one of the, un the maybe unintended, maybe intended consequences of it is that players aren't going to have to play as many side quests to get the mm -hmm. ending they want in Mass Effect 3. Right, right. Um, you know, though, like I've I've considered it being that I have a lot of I have a lot of projects I go into a lot of shows. I play a lot of games um, playing through this again and some of it for the first time. I don't know if I want to try to follow every side quest thread or if I want to mainline the story and then see what happens. Because it, originally, to get to the certain endings in three, you had to do pretty much everything, right? That was that was mm -hmm. kind of the way it is. But what happens in this version of the game if I just you know uh, you know do some of the side quests, but not everything? Like what what happens if I, you know don't really hurry through it, but only play the parts that I'm really interested in? Don't force myself into you know play it more casually than like completionist. I guess is what I'm saying. Does that work out? Does that what how does where does that leave me at the end of the story well i think you might be happy to hear this next part and that's that matt they've for the legendary edition they've removed mass effect 3's multiplayer um right, component right, so, right and we talked about this before that was originally right. needed to to get the highest level of uh whatever that status was called the galactic uh, readiness gal yeah. readiness that's what it was and um yeah so now since that's not in there you don't have to do it so other things give you more galactic readiness but how many of them do you have to do right like that is a quantitative question which i am eager to find out the answer to right right so that's what that's part of what i'm curious about is if i just play through naturally and go down the story paths that i find most compelling with the characters that i'm most connected to and those kinds of things 
where does that leave me at the end of the game? I guess we're going to find out. I guess we'll find uh, out. One way or the other. Uh, but regardless, you shouldn't be as disappointed with the ending as some fans were uh, when Mass Effect 3 originally released because they have included the extended cut DLC. That is now canon. That's part of the game. Uh, so no, if you're just jumping into the trilogy and the series, you're not going to experience the original ending when it first came out. And the problem that a lot of players had with that ending was that it was vague and it seemed like it didn't even show you enough animations and cinematics to make it seem like a lot of the choices that you made were impactful or mattered at all. And uh, that's kind of the appeal of the whole series. Um, so a lot of players were up in arms about that. But the extended cut is now canon. It adds 25 minutes of cinematics to the ending of Mass Effect 3. It doesn't leave it as vague as it did before. Um, I think it leaves it a certain level of vague because as we discussed during the first episode of this lore cast, there needs to be. Mm-hmm. To, to to make another Mass Effect game, which there is going to be Mass Effect 4, and it does look like it's going to be a continuation of Shepard's story. Um, so, yeah, the extended cut DLC is canon, and in fact, all almost all DLCs are included now, and that includes the promo stuff, like the you know the special weapons and armor you got from the older games for di- for for downloading them. So I'm pretty psyched about getting some Dragon Age armor in Mass Effect. Right? Yeah, that'd be awesome. And um, the uh, when it comes to DLCs, I don't know if you had a favorite DLC uh, for Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect 3. I didn't play through me, any of the DLCs. So that's another. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. No, see, that, that's the thing. It's like I picked up the game like actually I'm trying to remember if two came with some DLCs when I picked it up. Well, so each of these the games were games that I picked up like later after they released. But I think I just got them like the base games on sale. I think. Did you use Zaid or Kasumi at all? I don't think so. Then you probably didn't play did. any of the DLC. Yeah, yeah. So the, like this stuff will be new for me too. So I'll, I'll have some like, you know, hot takes on some of this stuff. Man, you're going to experience a lot more than you did before. I'm like excited yeah. to see yeah. what you have to say about it. I, um, I do remember staying aware of uh, the community and the conversation and things people were talking about in podcasts about this stuff and how certain DLC was like, oh, my God, this one's so good. You really need to play through this. Like, like I, I remember being aware of that, but not actually playing through it myself. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember there were a lot of people that were like, you know, on Reddit, there's a very love-hate relationship with DLC for, for, for video games, and mm-hmm. the Mass Effect subreddit isn't immune to that. And I think a lot of people got so disillusioned with EA's handling of Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3's ending that they said, don't buy any of the Mass Effect DLC. But I strongly disagree with that. And I disagree with it because if you like a game and you're having fun and you're enjoying it and you think the DLCs are worth it and you get fulfillment and extra enjoyment out of that, then perhaps you should buy it. Right. Um, Yeah. I do remember this being a a debated thing because they claimed that the real ending was headed behind hidden behind this extra cost. And so that was, that was a problem. Like I remember that being a thing. Yeah, I don't believe that. You know, I, I don't believe that the real ending was hidden behind anything. They they created the extended cut DLC after the fans uproar about it. Mm-hmm. So it was an, a genuine attempt to try to, you know, um, 
connect with their fans. And if you're looking for, you know, a one DLC, if you don't have a lot of time to play the game, but you you got to play one DLC that adds a lot to the story. You have to play the Leviathan DLC in Mass Effect 3. And you got to play it right before the final mission. So prior to the ending, just before the final mission, because it's so critical to the lore. And I think that is the place where the storyline of the Leviathan DLC, I'm I'm just going to tease it a little bit. The Leviathan DLC tells you how the Reapers were created. Mm -hmm. Which is like a huge detail. It's a big reveal, yeah. I think it should have been part of the original game, but I also like that it was DLC. So regardless, like, you know, I'm happy that it exists and it's a very one, very well done DLC. There's a cool underwater mission too, um, <laughs> which isn't in anywhere else in Mass Effect, I think. But like I said, you know, it goes over how the Reapers were created and there are some massive reveals, uh, especially, you know, if you do it right before the final mission, it might change how you view the decision at the end right it, it very well might yeah um so yeah and there's one more there's one more bonus uh you know big detail that that bioware changed and i think it's a big detail when it comes to file size it's very small uh <laughs> but there's a picture a specific picture which also generated a lot of controversy and if and it con- generated a lot of controversy among people who romanced tally um and as people know whoever shepherd romances in mass effect 3 shepherd keeps a headshot of them on his desk just a little picture that he picks up and looks at i think in one of the cinematics um just reflects on the love he has for that character and tally's picture was more or less a poorly photoshopped uh stock image of just you know <laughs> like if you type in like getty images human girl <laughs> you, might, <laughs> right. you might find this but there's a new they, they replaced the picture so many fans were pissed off about that when it first came out they never did they never did anything well now there's legendary edition and now there's actually a new picture that makes more sense and it reveals how tally's face looks and so i just think i think it looks really beautiful should we uh, share it should we share it? Should yeah, we let's it share. All right. This is it. I it accidentally popped it earlier when I was adjusting it, but uh, there she is. There's some crazy white eyes. Oh yeah, and that's actually uh, lore friendly. You know, if you look at if you look into the lore, and I think we we haven't done a Korean race episode yet. We will, uh, where we go over more of their biology. But that picture is, of course, it's it's canon. But it, it, of course, it's also lore friendly. I'm not sure in entirely who the individual artist was, um, but that picture has been shared on Reddit. Um, that's where we got it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just looks am- amazing, especially in reference to the, the, the previous option <laughs> where this one actually looks like it was something from the game. Right. And, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm sharing yeah. this on our Discord. So if you guys are interested in seeing it, you can just look up the Robots Radio Discord. It'll be in the Mass Effect Lorecast channel. Um, or if you want to check out the video version of the podcast, that'll be up on on the Robots Radio YouTube, where you can see it as well. I'm laughing because No Mercy in chat says that's so much better than the country music album cover they copied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which it, that is kind of how it looks. It's like just so cliche. That's how the old one looked, uh, but the new one looks amazing. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much. Those are the top changes that Bioware has. Uh, 
announced for the legendary edition. There's a ton of other ones. I encourage you all, you know, we wanted to go into more detail, but we only have an hour for these podcasts. So <laughs> I encourage you all to like look at EA's own website. They have like a blog where they go over in very uh, in-depth detail over all the graphical changes and whatnot. Uh, so I do encourage you to, to uh, look at the source material there. Well, there you go. Well, we would love to hear your experiences as well. So um, if you're interested in chatting with us, that's one of the reasons why we do these shows is to, to meet you guys and, and to hear about your experiences. Um, so come join us in the Robots Radio Discord. You know, send us some tweets, share some of your screenshots. I'd love to I'd love to see your screenshots of your of your uh, shepherds. So if you have a shepherd who is as beautiful as mine, then maybe, uh, you know, Maybe we can have a competition. Maybe we can have like a, a vote off where people vote on their favorite shepherd design and we just put everybody's on a big list <laughs> or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know. The winner, the winner gets something yeah. back. Maybe the, the, winner, the winner will get something. Something sure. like that. Yeah. We've been thinking about doing, doing a giveaway. So we're, we'll, we're planning that right now. We're trying to come up with a fun way to maybe give away a copy or two of, of the legendary edition for you guys. Uh, for those of you, especially who haven't been able to get your own copy yet. Um, so stay tuned for that. We'll have some more info about that in the future. And uh, of course, we'll be back next week with another lore episode. We've talked a lot about the legendary edition this episode, but we'll be back to some regular lore stuff. And and um, seven, do you have anything else going on? Anything else you want to share before we head out? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be streaming Legendary Edition uh, this week in between runs to get groceries and and furnish my apartment uh, further um, and, and kind of explore the new city that I'm in. But I will be streaming Legendary Edition this week. I'll be putting out um, some announcement on, on Twitter. And if you don't follow me on Twitter yet, it's just at N7TheLegend. That's primarily where I'm going to be announcing when I'm streaming as well as in the Discord. So and by the way, if you haven't joined our Discord group, do that like we get awesome mass effect memes and and just the community the fan base is like the best damn fan base i've ever been a part of and and ever seen so really join the discord um but yeah like like you said tom we're going to be resuming our series on the primary intelligent alien races of mass effect uh next week and that's going to be we're going to be talking about the salarians awesome yeah we just we just eclipsed 1500 people on our discord which is crazy also if you are a streamer or a content creator there's a, a section in there for you to share your stuff so if you want to share it with us uh feel free to you know if you go live on a stream and you're playing mass effect share it in there let let people know maybe they'll pop in and check out your stream so um again please join our community we'd love to find out what you guys are doing all right and let's see do i have anything else going on i've got all the regular shows i've got at robotsradio.net the website is going to be redesigned uh currently the uh security certificate is has lapsed so it'll say like this is an unsecure connection it's it's not i just haven't updated my security certificate so if you go to robotsradio.net and it looks shady i promise we're not stealing your data it's I, it's just in the middle of updating so um but anyway if you check out the other shows on the network there's a bunch of cool shows to listen to if it has lorecast in the title it's probably one of mine so if you're into fallout or elder scrolls or cyberpunk or dungeons and dragons uh check out that stuff and we'll be back like usual next week. Same time, same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you guys later. Have a good week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. 
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello. Hi. Do you like bad movies? Do you find yourself defending bad movies, saying things like, well, the soundtrack was okay, or the costumes were pretty fun? From the previous hosts of It's Not That Bad Podcast, we bring you Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast, from Simone LaRue and Chad Ekovitz. Every week, we review two movies that did not do well critically, but we say, hey, there are some nice things about them. Maybe Rotten Tomatoes was wrong. Maybe they're all fools, and you should watch these movies regardless. We'll also talk about scenes that could have saved it, and we'll often refer to Simone's cats because they're amazing and adorable, and we love them. <laughs> and at the end of each review, we will tell you whether we would watch this movie again, or in what circumstances we would recommend you watch this movie. So, join us on July 9th for the first drop of our main episode, and then two days later for our drop of our minisodes. And on Robots Radio Podcast Network. Come see us on July 9th! We love you so much already! Bye! Bye. Ahoy there, ye landlubbers! Avast! My name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. Arrgh.